everyone who joins female footballers is like, oh, I wish we had something like this when we were growing up. I nerd out on things like contract law. I'm not mad at it. Let's make <laughs> stuff happen. My name's Noah Lack, and your favorite athletes know a lot more about business than you think. Welcome to Athletes and Assets. Let's go. I'm here with another episode. I'm joined by Haley Lucas. I, I have to do that because, like, Lucas in the last name, I just, that Lou, like, that's. Yeah, you got to kind of do the whole thing. Okay, thank you. I, I appreciate <laughs> the validation. But Haley uh, is a former Cal Berkeley soccer player, former professional soccer player, is currently getting her JD and MBA at Cornell University. That's a lot of brain power. Um, is also the COO at Female Footballers. I can't wait to dive into all this stuff because you're going to want to hear it, but Haley, let's skip the small talk. So, the FIFA Women's World Cup is coming on. Yes. You know, your thoughts on U.S. Is anything that stands in our way? What do you think that is? I think it's the development of every other European team in soccer around the world. It's really been exciting to see the growth of um, all these different countries and their teams, and I think that's a testament to the growth of club soccer around the world as well. Um, and of course, I want the U.S. to win, but it's so exciting to have games where you're not expecting a blowout like sure. you may have in past World Cups. So I'm very excited for this, and having it in Australia is very exciting too. I, I, um, it's the same thing with basketball right now. Yeah. With, with, with at least men's basketball, right? The USA was dominant for years. Right. Um, and then these European countries were like, no, two can play that game. And now <laughs> right. it's like, it's like the, the, the men's basketball World Cup is happening. Yeah. And I'm nervous. Yeah. I'm nervous, man. <laughs> right. Like, what are we gonna do? Um, but I, um, I am so excited to, for, to, to be tuned into that World Cup. Um, you'll be tuned in. I will. We're uh, female footballers. We're having a watch party um, this Friday in Oakland, which we're really excited about um, to kind of just bring more awareness to the game and have people in the community kind of come out. Plug the location. I will. It's at Arthur Max in Oakland okay. um, this Friday night uh, for their game, the USA's opening game against Vietnam. I, I thank you for uh, for plugging that. So Haley, this is um, this is an important conversation to have, and uh, I'm excited to chat about it. But before we sort of dive into your your day to day and all yeah. that, um, you know, I've listened to a podcast, and you said something that like I say all the time, and. As a professional athlete, you actually have more downtime than you ever did before. Correct. And that can be a crazy thing to imagine. But you realized this clearly early on. You know, when you were playing, what were some things you did to prepare for the next phase of life and the next the things that you're doing for now? What was sort of the seeds that you started to plant and how? Yeah, so I think it kind of starts back even sooner when I was starting um, at Cal. And for me, my decision to go to Cal was very much, where would I want to be if I couldn't play soccer anymore? And that was a driving factor. I was also almost went to Santa Clara. That was another one of my options. But I, I know. Are you serious? Yes. It was uh, It was right there. Gosh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Delete's episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Delete. <laughs> exactly. Um, so for me, that has always been something I've thought about is what's happening off the field as well and kind of the other things I wanted to do. And so when I was able to play professionally and had that extra time, I wanted to fill it in meaningful ways for kind of what I wanted to do next. And so before I started playing, I always knew I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to go to law school. And so I was kind of building those seeds. And so little things and just kind of that were interesting to me, like I tutored remotely from the United or to the United States while living in Europe. 
and did that. I was also trying to um, just read and do a lot of other things, so I was ready for kind of what was next. Yeah, absolutely. It's a tough thing to do while you're playing because, yeah. you know, you want to just be so all in yeah. on your craft. But you also, I also can't keep crediting you as the source. I gotta, I gotta stop stealing your flow. But you're, you said like, if you think about soccer all day, you're gonna be unhappy. Correct. And if I think about my shot all day, it's not gonna go well. Yeah. And it's when you're, in, and to be able to allocate time to something else and, and be able to strengthen that is, you know, something that I you know, sound like a broken record on. Why law? I mean, some people get really intimidated, you know, the bar exam, all of that. You know, I've had guests on in the past that have, uh, have a JD. Yeah. That's no easy feat. Like, what, what part of law really resonated with you? I think the, initially going into it, there were just so many opportunities, and that was something that was exciting to me. And now that I'm exploring it more, you know, I still want to stay in sports. I'd like to work for a team um, and kind of go that route. Uh, but for me, I like the idea of crafting stories and be able to um, tell that. And so initially, I thought I was going to go more the litigation route and be in the courtroom. But kind of as I've progressed and gone through this, I want to make deals and I want to work on the more transactional stuff, which people are like, that's so boring. You're like developing contracts and stuff. But for me, like, that's how things happen. And at least I'd like to shift that to the women's game and actually be able to help off the field. I think that I enjoyed being a soccer player and actually contributing to a team in that way, but it's something I'm very passionate about and still want to be able to help the team off the field more of a business capacity. And so I nerd out on things like contract law and um, property law and things like that. I'm not mad at it. Let's make stuff happen. <laughs> right. You know, who, who, how did these deals get done? Well, there's someone like yourself that right. is drafting the documents and yeah. legal stipulations. Like, that is the unsexy but necessary part of it. Right, exactly. Like, you need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, no, so I, I think, you know, as, as we relate to business, obviously law is a huge part of that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some advice that a lot of people have told me, because I considered getting an MBA. Yeah. Some people are like, well, better than an MBA, why don't you get a JD? I think yeah. a law degree can help you a lot to, because if you know the lay of the land in terms of legal regulations, that is immediately transferable in, in business transactions because right. you have an upper hand or you, you can learn faster about different things. Yeah. I think they're both, I think it really depends on what you want to do in terms of the JD versus the MBA. I would not recommend anyone to go to law school if they don't want to practice <laughs> yes. law. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard and it's just, it's an investment of time and energy and money. Um, but they're both re really um, interesting career paths. And for me, I want to combine the two so I can learn the more leadership and management side and the strategy and then combine that with um, the actual technical work that needs to be done on the law side. You are COO of Female Footballers. Yes. Um, this is a nonprofit organization. Um, helps uh, young female athletes with mm -hmm. different leadership, mental health skills. Yes. And you guys are doing a tremendous thing. Let's let's go from the beginning and, and where did you? Why did who? What and why did you guys decide to start Female Footballers? Yeah. So our CEO is Cassie Gray. She's also a um, former Cal women's soccer player. Uh, she started Female Footballers back in 2014, and her goal and kind of why she came up with it was she was looking at the soccer landscape and how the third iteration of professional women's soccer in the U.S. Have, was just coming into fruition and wanting that to really stay. There had been multiple leagues that had folded and she didn't really know what women's soccer was going to look like um, in the future and she had just had a daughter and kind of was writing about her thoughts of what women's soccer would look like for her daughter and that's where female footballers was kind of born and with a key emphasis of infusing mental skills and mental health into sport 
because we talk about a lot of times how people spend tons of money on technical training and putting all this extra work right. into working on your shot or whatever it is, but right. are they doing the, the, the work on the other side, the mental side, which for us, we believe that good players um, can have technical skills, but great players have technical skills and the confidence and the mental components of sport. Yeah. So that's kind of where we're at with that. And then for when I came in, um, Cassie had just spoken at an America Scores event, and she was talking about it on one of our Cal Women's Soccer alumni Zooms. And so I was kind of learning about the organization for the first time. And I emailed her and I said, I'm really passionate about what you guys are doing. Um, I think, side note, everyone who joins female footballers is like, oh, I wish we had something like this when we were growing up. That's a good, yeah. And yeah. so that's kind of how I came in. And so in 2020, this was right after the pandemic had hit. And up until that point, it had just been in-person clinics. Right. And so we were like, okay, what's, what's going to happen here? How can we continue to push out this message? And so I said, you know, it'd be really cool if we had a mentorship program where we pair pro athletes like myself um, and college athletes with youth players, and we can do it remotely. Yeah. And so over the past two years, it's been kind of a, a growth of how can we deliver this type of information, not only in person, but also across the country, which we've been able to do and provide mental skills training to teams, clubs, players, um, as far as Maine. So it's been really cool. Yeah, so first of all, if Steve Nash mentored me on my mental health when I was younger, yeah. I would be like, oh my gosh, like, right. are you serious? Right. Um, clearly, there's two sides here. Mm -hmm. And the first one I'd like to talk about is you got, you have, clearly, you have professional athletes that have bought in yes. to this idea. Yeah. Was it so easy to sell them on this idea of mentoring youth that maybe they started game for them because yeah. of what you mentioned earlier? I wish I had this when I was younger. Right. I think that's very fair. I think what we're also searching for is not only just professional athletes um, to bring them in and kind of have them mentor, but we're looking for mission-driven professional athletes, which is harder to find actually at times. It's a, there's a vetting process. So yeah. what's what is that? What does that look like? It's looking for people um, who we've we've gone to go through an interview process and all that. We're not only interested in them as soccer players, we're interested in them as people and seeing if they're a good fit for our organization. For us, when it, a mentor, for example, when our mentorship program is happening, it's six weeks where they're going through our curriculum, what's been developed by educators and social emotional learning coaches. So we've got that side down for them. And their job is to kind of facilitate that information, but also infuse their own experience into um the, the relationship with the player because they're they're the ones who've actually lived it and played at the highest level and can bring their own examples from their life so it's about finding those people who are passionate about what we're working on um, but also have played at that high level because it's important for us that we're providing a, a product and a service to the community um, with people who have experienced the highest levels of soccer and care about this part of the game yeah absolutely and and, and um, I mean it's amazing that you've, you've got these athletes to, to sort of buy in into mm -hmm. the mission. Um, you know, what was like the first, not the first sell, yeah. but the first like, hey, um, come to these kids, like, or mentor right. these kids. What, did, what was that, that first close? What, what did that feel like? Um, the nice thing was I had a lot of friends that were kind of in this space, and sure. so I kind of just reached out to people that I already knew and was like, hey, would you be interested in this? And it was a lot of like, yeah, absolutely. And like some of them are still mentoring for us. We've had people from the very beginning who are still doing it, which is awesome. And then we've had people kind of grow and come on. But we find actually that we get more interest for people wanting to mentor than actual youth players that want the service. Wow. wow. So wow. it really shows, and I, I, hopefully it's a generational thing where 
our age of player did not have that support in any way and now youth players are starting to get that or parents are under because really we're we're marketing our products to serve it or to parents okay yeah, um, sure. like we're yeah. kind of sell them yeah. right because we want their child to be involved because it we work mostly with 10 and up but this program is usually 12 because some of the content we're dealing with like becoming self-aware and working on um, understanding your feelings and emotions is hard for a young player to understand. Absolutely. And also what you don't have is market research to precede right. the importance of this because you're yeah. the first time you're like you're, you're trailblazing right. this path. Right. So there's probably some unknown value add that I believe you guys can prove. But here's something that I want to mention that it, this is why I think this is a great time for you to be doing this. Yeah. You know, Particularly now that NILs opened up, mm -hmm. female athletes are really starting to, to maximize the value and it's hopefully the gap will continue to close. Right. It offers an incredible opportunity, but more complexity yeah. to being an athlete and especially being a female athlete. For sure. So, you know, let's, let's chat about some maybe curriculum that you chat, with, chat about with young female athletes, particularly those that you can expect to see play at the next level. Yeah. What are some pillars or, or, or what are some pillars that you try to instill in, in these young athletes from a mental standpoint? Yeah, so the baseline we always start with is self-awareness, which is understanding your emotions, what's going on around you. And these are things you can learn that are useful in sport and out of sport. But that's kind of our baseline is making sure people are understanding and receptive to kind of the information. Um, and a huge pillar for us is confidence. And that looks like um, how do we, we always like to say confidence is a habit, not a trait, which means you have to constantly be working on, on your confidence. Throughout my career, and even now that I'm not playing soccer anymore, my confidence has gone up and down. And for me as a young player transitioning into college sports, consistency was a big part of that and kind of that wavering. And so we're really trying to work on having girls do activities and different kind of mental skills training where they're practicing the habit of confidence every day, yeah. self-talk, visualization, these different tools that we've used in sport um, that young athletes need to instill at a younger age. Because at the older age, we see it being more of a band-aid, right? Like something's happened or maybe the confidence is down, but if we can start to instill these things at a younger age, then we're able to actually build habits. So that's one. Confidence is a big one. Motivation. We'll also touch on things like... Um, body image and different kind of topics that do touch kind of outside of sport and that like taps into nil and yeah. like especially with the age of social media and how to navigate that whole space i was just about to take it there yeah i mean social media yeah. in young athletes particularly female athletes right that could be a scary combination for sure and you know girls develop earlier mm -hmm. um you know if you're a good athlete and you move up the ranks you show your social media profile you know, inevitably begins to expand. Right. You see random people in your DMs. Like, this is stuff that, like, we don't... People talk about it, yeah. but social media is as much as a burden as it is sort of, like, True. a necessity and a positive outcome for folks. Yeah. And I'm fascinated to learn about how do you incorporate, how do you, you know, teach girls to manage their mental health around this aura of social media. Yeah, so it's definitely not our primary focus because we're not okay. experts in social media, of sure. course. But big thing for us is some advice that we like to give is make sure you're following things that are helpful to you. So on the positive side of social media, like follow people that inspire you, information that's helpful to you, things like that. Um, and a big part of us is like being able to compartmentalize, right? So like stepping away from the phone and kind of 
part of that self-awareness is recognizing maybe some of those negative feelings if those are coming up through social media and being able to step away and things like that. So it is kind of a mix of making sure you're aware of how it makes you feel um, and also using it as a tool to help you. I think what's cool about soccer and crime, we talk about body image and things like that, is there's no one idea of what a soccer player should look like anymore. Look right. at our U.S. women's national team. Yes. So many different body types, races, everything. They look so different. And so for us, it's also bringing those images in front of girls. And that's not necessarily looking directly at social media to do that, but it's using media and kind of images um, to elicit those kind of thoughts so that girls... Um, don't think that they need to be like a tall, slender player because that's not what the game looks like anymore. Absolutely. What is um what is a problem that you see young female athletes encounter that they come to you about? Um, you you address confidence. Yes. You. What what is another issue that you 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 try to address and that that maybe you know we wouldn't expect? Um, a lot of it comes from parents and coaches and kind of that behavior um, that they display. Maybe like it's emotional abuse or things like that. And just being in an environment that's not really conducive for them to work on those skills. And so a lot of examples are coaches who have just created really toxic environments on their teams. Um, and players not being able to really thrive in those environments. And I think we see that at the NWSL level as well. There's been a, a lot of coaches fired over emotional and sexual abuse issues. We hope that's not happening, of course, with young players. But unfortunately it's kind of a trickle down thing where whatever's happening at the highest level is happening in the youth game. Mm. And we want to make sure that athletes have these self-advocacy skills where they can go to a parent or go to um, their grown up that they'll be able to talk about these things and have a place where they can. Cause when you're working with a coach, when you're a young player, and I think what's at all levels, what's the problem is that if you step out and speak out sometimes that's your starting spot that you've lost yeah. or something. like there's a really kind of a oh, pressure there that if you speak out your own professional uh, development and growth is going to be affected so it's kind of a really hard thing to balance and i respect a lot of women soccer players for being so outspoken on yeah. these issues unfortunately in a lot of sports there's so many unwritten rules right. and uh, code to abide by yeah and like you said even though it has nothing to do it doesn't affect your affect your athletic performance yeah. or your contribution to the team. Right. Coaches have internet too. Right. <laughs> like they see the things that you say yeah. and could really get you, you know, indirectly. You don't, you don't notice it. It doesn't, there's not an immediate slap on the wrist. Right. But you see it in playing time or et cetera. Yeah. Um, so it's, a, it's an interesting topic. Yeah. And so it's also like developing healthy communication, right, with your coach at a young age. I think a big thing for us is like when players are frustrated that they're not seeing more playing time or things like that, it's like, okay, how can we be proactive to talk to our coach? And working on talking to our coach directly as a player rather than having our parent talk to the coach as a player because you've always got that, the, the soccer moms and dads yeah. who, are, who are overly involved. They know more about soccer than the coaches. Right, exactly. So trying to teach these skills to young players so they can actually be an advocate for themselves so that down the road when they do have conflict, they're hopefully not coming to us. They're going directly to the source and working through those issues with a coach or teammate or whoever it may be. Yeah, absolutely. So I, what do you think, um, are you, what are you looking to see from your tutelage to these younger athletes mm -hmm. that you think will eventually be applied in the business work, workplace that these athletes will eventually enter when their career is over? 
yeah, I think all of these skills are helpful, right? Like we work on confidence, we work on motivation, we work on self-advocacy. You're gonna use all of these in any industry that you enter. Um, self-advocacy could be asking for a raise, um, especially when women are not at the same rate or the same salary as a lot of men in their respective fields. It's having that confidence and um, being able to go and talk to your boss about those things. Um, it's goal setting. It's being able to forge a path for what your career looks like. For me, I'm very structured. There's steps and kind of, it's not always going to be perfect of how I get there. But what I've learned in sport for goal setting and kind of working toward goals, I use in my professional pursuits every day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And right now, you are, your main focus is soccer. You have these young soccer players. Yes. You mentioned that you're branching out to maybe some water polo, yeah. um, you know, maybe swimming. But where, you know, in the next five years, what do you want this finished product to be? I think these last two years have a lot have been a lot of R&D for us and yeah. kind of seeing what works, especially coming out of the pandemic where young players are used to being on Zoom and it's Zoom fatigue because they were on it for school and all that sort of stuff. So for us, it's continuing to spread awareness of our brand and create partnerships with clubs and players across the country because we believe what we're doing is really important. Uh, players and parents are really focused on the technical side of the game, which is a really important part, but you can't be an excellent soccer player if you don't have that mental side figured out. Yeah. So we want to make sure that as many clubs across the country have access to our services. What kind of brands and stuff do you, would you want to partner with? You had a year away. Who, who, is, uh, who is aligned? Can we externalize who maybe could be aligned with female footballers? I know there's been something, there's been some uh, dream, you know, partnership brands in your mind. Yeah. Let's hear it. So for us, um, we're married to not only raising um, our awareness and partnering with youth clubs. So like for us getting in like the Girls Academy League, which we've already partnered with some of those clubs, being able to do it in a more meaningful way is important to us. Like a dream would be to partner with an NWSL team and be able yeah. to provide those services not only to... <coughs> Bay FC. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. Right. Sorry. That, that we wouldn't be opposed to that. Um, but for us, it's being able to work with all levels, right? Like for us, we provide our services to college teams across the country too. So being able to continue to grow in that capacity. And I think for us, when you think of mental skills, we want you to think of female footballers and that we're someone you can rely on and provide those services so you can excel not only in sport but beyond it. What do you think what do you think we're missing here to make this mental health health cool? Right? Like cuz like I want to hang out with uh, my favorite soccer players. I mean that, right. that like that feels obvious, right? But you mentioned that right now there's more interest sort of on the mentorship side rather yeah. than because you know, you got to convince the parents. Yeah. Um what's what's what do you think that's that magic? I think it's being a little bit vulnerable and being willing to kind of work on that side of the game. It's really easy for us to go out and kick a ball a hundred times or do something like that because it's something that we know we'll continue to get better at. Being able to kind of look inside and work on something that's a little bit scarier, um, working on the mental side of the game, especially if a player has had some type of experience that's been really negative in the sport or it makes them uncomfortable, it's hard to confront that right on and actually work toward getting through something or developing that side. And so it may feel like homework at times, but like yeah. that's, it's a homework that's so but would important. It, but would it feel like homework if I'm working with Abby Wambach or right. Randy Chastain <laughs> on my mental health? Like, I mean, are you kidding right. me? Yeah. 
and maybe you know it's a here's here's a hot take. Yeah. One of my underlying one of my underlying things that maybe hasn't gotten them yet. The parents don't know enough about women's soccer history, and it's they true. need to understand how freaking badass and Megan Rapinoe, Leslie Osborne, yeah, uh, Haley Lucas, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, same soccer caliber. So like, th- I think that could be also a part of it. Yeah, and I think it's it's a newer space, right? Like, we haven't really been focusing on this part of the game as much. Like, you've got sports psychologists that are working on these things, usually on more of an individual basis, or professional teams are working with sports psychologists, but um, youth sports hasn't really intersected with the mental side of sport as frequently, so it's also just an education piece, and kind of, like you said, making them more aware of women's soccer history, or kind of what's going on in that side of the game. Absolutely, well... Haley, this is uh, this has been a great chat. Yeah. Um, I uh, really excited to see the development of female footballers and uh, in your career individually. But female footballers, you know, where is the easiest place to find you guys? Like, where where, where do you want us to check you out? Yeah, so you, our website is femalefootballers.org. and then you can find us on Instagram at fem so it's fem footballers. Fem footballers, yeah. check them out. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed that, please subscribe on Spotify or give us a like or a follow on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. You know where to find us, at Athletes and Assets.